gods of old haunted the skies as winter approached in Europe and beyond. The forest trembled as the ancient breath of Kari, the winter wind, howled over the land, and with Kari's wind came other, older gods. Black frost, eternal snowbank, and fine-driven snow. Woe to any man or woman caught in their primal embrace. And in spite of Christianity absorbing the old gods in Yule traditions, any Christian caught in northern lands that heard the thunderous cries of Odin and his Yoleri, or Yuletide host, a band of ravenous and hungry souls who rolled the skies with the Allfather, was found blue and frozen with wide staring eyes by his comrades the next day. In Germany, Berkta galloped across the clouds with fey beings and the souls of newly dead infants trailing while she and her spectral horse whipped the winter winds into a frenzy. Berkta was an old hearth goddess whose power faded through the eons, but in the season of Yule, she and her brethren made their presence known, bestowing both blessings and curses on the mortals who used to worship them. Are you guys and ghouls out there in the snowy and not-so-snowy hinterlands? Rock here, along with my co-host Max, and tonight we're sitting by the fire having a mug of eggnog, some whiskey, maybe some chocolate cherry stout, and we're going to drop a few ghost stories for you lovely folks. Well, just whiskey for me, if you don't mind. You're a purist. Can't do the nog. Yes, welcome everyone. If you've been listening to us for a while, you know that last year we began to do our part to bring back an old tradition— the telling of ghost stories on Christmas Eve. And we're nothing if not traditional. So here we are, two years into this podcast. Well, we're on our second year, but that's three seasons in podcast years. Hey, Nightmares and Daydreams is nearly a teenager in dog years. The Lottery Labrador is like 10 years old today, folks. (laughs) What a good boy the Lottery Labrador is. He is. I just wish he'd pay us a visit and lavish us with his golden riches. Huh, Max? For sure. A good boy like that deserves as many walkies and treaties as he wants. Agreed, man. Okay, so enough with the math. Shall we jump right on in, Max? Let's do it, my friend. But a drink first. Cheers. Cheers. It was Yuletide in Iceland many years ago. Gudrun, a brave and cheerful girl, had arrived in Hesteri, where she'd been taken on as a new servant at a farm that was quite a bit wealthier than what she had been accustomed to. But it was said to be haunted. The great barns were filled with grain from the harvest, and the house was built of stone, but trolls were said to roam the hills at night. Being just 14 years old and new to the area, Gudrun ranked lowest of all the servants, But she worked cheerfully, even when, on Christmas Eve, the household, and even all the servants, traveled to the neighboring farm for feasting, leaving her behind for the night to mind the infant daughter of the house. She closed the door and bolted it, and then she carried the baby into her mistress's rooms and settled down by the hearth to feed the child. The warm firelight painted the room in golden hues and the beeswax candles shone steadily. The baby snuffled happily as it fed and finally drifted to sleep, 
Gudrun's eyes also grew heavy. And then she heard a noise. Something. Maybe an animal was scratching outside the house. The scratching moved to the door sill, around the bolt, along the lintel. The bolt rattled, and whatever it was pushed against the door. It strained against the frame. The door was strong and did not open. Gradually, the scratching diminished and quiet returned. Breathing in relief, Gudrun returned to feeding the child, offering it a wool cloth dipped in milk for it to suckle. Silence filled the house again, but then the candle flickered, and Gudrun caught a movement out of the corner of her eye. She leaped up to see an enormous face pressed against a window, large poured, gape-mouthed, sharp-toothed. Its yellowish eyes were fixed on them, and its oily skin pressed harder on the glass. The window sills shuddered. Gudrun froze, momentarily terrified. And then her face lightened, and she brushed off her apron with a swipe of her hands and called out formally, an iron gray with a flaxen tail and a brass boy driving. The troll outside ceased its efforts. Compelled by the dictates of ancient laws, it had to respond to the challenge of the riddle. It grunted, thinking for long moments, and then spoke clumsily, as if exercising a skill rarely used. Iron gray is a needle, flaxen tail is a thread. Brass boy is a thimble. Now is the troll's turn. Whoever failed to answer a riddle would be at the asker's mercy. Brothers, sisters, I have none. But that man's father is my father's son. The man is the riddler's son, Gudrun said quickly. Then she told another riddle which the troll answered quickly as well. And he responded in kind, and so it went throughout the long night. The hearth flame dwindled. The candle was mostly a puddle of wax, and Gudrun's voice had grown as hoarse as the troll's. The troll said, Thirty white horses upon a red hill. Now they champ. Now they stamp. Now they stand still. Gudrun, exhausted, took long enough that the troll began to lick his cracked lips in anticipation, but finally responded, Your teeth and gums. As the troll stomped in frustration, Gudrun saw past him to the horizon, where a line of scarlet light began to peek out. On yonder hill there is a red deer. The more you shoot, the more you may. You cannot drive that deer away, she called out. The only reply was a splat of blood on the window pane as the troll was destroyed by the rising sun. The baby stared up at Gudrun. The red deer is the rising sun, sweet one, she said. Trolls love Christmas. And a massive shout out to Time Life Books. Said it once and I'll say it again. Love me some enchanted world. Not just trolls rock, beings from the other side. Love all the in-between times and places. Exactly. And Christmas time, or Yule, is at the turning of the solar year on those longest, darkest nights. Which is exactly what the Yule season is about. From that darkest place in time, we know the light will be returning. The world turns again toward the sun. 
metaphorically speaking. Exactly. So to all you babysitters out there, remember, if some fiend is trying to get you and the baby, challenge them to a riddle contest. Mm -hmm. By ancient powers and rights, they are honor-bound to accept. Works every time. But just in case, you should call the cops as well. Or Ghostbusters. Or Trollbusters. Another bit of practical advice. Max, do you have a riddle? Hmm. I like some of the ones from The Hobbit. Like, how about this one? Alive without breath, as cold as death, never thirsty, ever drinking, all in mail, never clinking. Fish. That's a good one. And if I'm not mistaken, that was one of Gollum's. Yep. How about you? All right. Try this one off for size. Born of the cold and born of the heat, pacing the world on legs oh so fleet, swiftest up high, lethargic down low. The actions are seen, the form does not show. Is it wind? Nice. Trixie Baggins. <laughs> All righty, Max. How about another story? Sounds good to me. In the early 2000s, the Kahn family renovated a beautiful Victorian home in Newton, Massachusetts. After finally moving in, it wasn't long before their five-year-old daughter, Julielle, began telling them stories of her friend, Mrs. Woodman, who lived on the third floor and wore long dresses. Also, she said, Mrs. Woodman levitated slightly off of the floor. Well, the family was skeptical at first, thinking she just had an active imagination. But their daughter was insistent, so they did a little research. And sure enough, a Mr. and Mrs. Woodman had lived in the house in the late 19th century. The Woodmans had had seven children, as did Julielle's floating friend. All of the details provided by Julielle about her ghostly friend matched public records exactly. Although the visitations from Mrs. Woodman herself ended five years after they started, she still causes some electrical mischief every now and then, keeping watch over the home and family. Freaky. Short and sweet. Solid story. Yeah, crazy. I've run through Newton twice during the Boston Marathon. It's right before the notorious Heartbreak Hill at like 20 and a half miles. Wow. If I'd known about Mrs. Woodman, maybe I would have run a little faster. Dear listeners, you'll have to excuse Max as he flexes about his Boston Marathon shenanigans. <laughs> I don't know, Max. She seems like a friendly ghost to me. True. Anyway, I guess she had kind of stopped coming by by the time I first ran the marathon, which was 2016, I think. Well, maybe. But the family, according at least to a local NBC affiliate, says the TV and dishwasher will still sometimes turn on when no one's about. Any ghost that wants to wash the dishes is welcome in my house. Nope. I'll do my own damn dishes, thank you very much. <laughs> How about another ghost story? Let's do it. Though only built in 1973, the location of the Sunshine 60 building in Ikebukuro, Tokyo, has a long history, at least 300 years of hauntings. In the 1720s, Ikebukuro was a sleepy rural village when a series of attacks happened. Nighttime travelers were attacked by an unknown assailant with a sword. 
64 victims are known, of whom 17 died. The nature and identity of the assailant was never determined. 170 years later, at the end of the 19th century, a prison was built where prisoners were tortured and often executed until well after the end of World War II. In 1973, the land where the prison once stood was finally cleared to start the building of what would be, for a time, the tallest building in Asia, the Sunshine 60 Tower. But its happy-sounding name conceals a dark history and ongoing instances of strange occurrences. Modern witnesses tell us of phantom footsteps echoing through the halls of the skyscraper, ghostly music, and perhaps scariest, reflections of human faces in glass doors and windows where there is no person standing, presumably lingering visages of the prisoners who once dwelt there. All I got to say about that, Max, is all hell nah. That's what I'm saying. But for $1,000, would you spend the night there? Nope. <laughs> it would cost more than that just to get there, Max. So I don't think it'd be worth it. <laughs> okay. You know what I mean, though. Like, assuming you were already there, you coward. Still probably no. And a grand ain't a lot of cash, Max. I got a lavish lifestyle to maintain, playa. I forgot how fancy you are. $1,000. I might. I don't know if I'd make it through the night if a face appeared in my mirror, though. Those faces sound spooky. That's all kind of note, man. Okay, but for ten grand, would you try to summon Bloody Mary there? Damn, I don't know. That's a good one. Come on, coward. I don't want my eyes scratched out, though. Who does? Okay, would you be like Faust and summon a demon prince to get all the cash and fly ladies your black heart <laughs> wants for the mere price of your soul, Max? Is a dark bargain the reason... You have twin Christmas trees and a massive library as well as a room dedicated solely to playing Dungeons and Dragons where no girls are allowed. <laughs> For the answer to that, you got to listen to episode 10, season one, y'all. Infernal Packs is a good one. It is a good one. And just for uh, FYI, I wouldn't. Nor would I. I would not do that. But moving on. And just to show you the ancient history of the Sunshine 60 building is not so far removed, actually. In 1999, a man went crazy and started attacking people in the building with a knife and hammer. He killed two people and wounded six others. Wow. I guess that's where they got that scene from old boy from. Man. <laughs> you know, I wonder if he was possessed by a spirit from like 300 years ago or that specific spirit that, you know, attacked 64 people and killed 17. Maybe. Or maybe any number of the prisoners that were housed there in the late 19th, early 20th century. That's not a good story, not good history. I mean, how do you cleanse a place like that? I think it'd take more than a simple smudging. Oh, no doubt. And for all you awesome listeners out there who don't know, smudging is a ceremonial act of burning sage to cleanse a place spiritually of any negative energy. But Max, you know, honestly, I'm thinking we might have to call in a witcher. <laughs> of Rivia is well-versed in curse-breaking, baby. Going back to smudging, I think it may have originated with Native American people like the Chumash and Lakota. Smudging, anyway. Uh, not witching. Uh, pardon Rock and his weird enthusiasm for Henry Cavill. Max is for the white wolf, not Cavill. Though he does a bang-up job playing Garot of Rivia. I heard he got pretty banged up on set recently. Hope it doesn't delay production of your favorite Netflix show. Agreed, man. Uh, Sunshine 60... 
I think it needs a full-on exorcism. And if not that, implosion, just implode the building and then make it a lake filled with holy water. <laughs> Boom, problem solved, baby. Ain't nothing evil coming out of that, players. <laughs> well, we don't want to keep you folks up too late. Now that you've had your bedtime stories, ready to sleep tight. Go to bed, you bunch of criminals. And remember, Santa knows if you're awake. <laughs> but seriously, guys and gals, thanks for hanging out with us. And we hope y'all are having the happiest possible holiday season, given the circumstances. We all know times are tough right now, but let's continue to do our damn best to be good to each other. And while happy as possible might not be that happy for some of y'all, if you are doing well and want to support the podcast, head on over to buymeacoffee.com yes. and search Nightmares Podcast for a delicious one-time donation so Rock and I can maintain our caffeine addiction. Mm-hmm. So much appreciated. Thanks in advance, y'all. Also, we have that Patreon page up and running at patreon.com forward slash nightmare podcast. We will continually add new content and the tiers start at a buck a month for a shout out and you can cancel anytime. We've added relaxations, tales, bonus tales, and additional music by the great and powerful Teresa Joy. And speaking of the best bard in the business, Teresa Joy gives us that amazing sound that so many of you have commented on. Find and follow her at Viabright on Facebook and Instagram. And check out her own website at TeresaJoyMusic.com. And we asked earlier, but we'll ask again. Or maybe we didn't ask earlier, but please, gang, head on over to whatever podcast you listen to and grant us that boon of the five-star review. Tell your mom, tell your pops, tell your sisters, tell your friends, tell your enemies about our podcast if you think they'd like it. Especially your enemies. Yeah, especially your enemies. That just might piss them off. (laughs) And, you know, do us one better and take the time to write a review. Help us out, guys. We'd really appreciate it. Also, join us on all the social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. All that. We'd love to hear from Mm y'all. Tell us what you like, what you don't like, what you'd like to hear more of. Exactly. And finally, head on over to our own damn website at nightmarespodcast.net and holler at your boys, why don't you? As we always say, we'd love to hear from you. Maybe pick up that holiday merch you've been eyeing. So ladies and gents, as always, be good to each other and... Sweet dreams. Sweet dreams. Sweet dreams.